Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It's Throwback Thursday on the Pewter Report podcast, the first ever Throwback Thursday episode of Mark Cook. And isn't it amazing that on this first ever Throwback Thursday episode, just hours before, not even an hour before, we got the announcement that the creamsicle jerseys are coming back, baby. How do you feel about it, Mark? It can't come soon enough, man. I mean, just just wear them all year this year. That's how much I love the creamsicle uniforms. But I'm an old guy, so I was around back in the old days. That's what I grew up with. I mean, I had the uh, I had the pajamas and the robe and um, you know the, the pennants and the hats and all the mm-hmm. stuff with the creamsicle. And so whenever they changed uniforms in '97, I had to uh, you know buy an entire new wardrobe. So uh, I would love to be able to break out some of the old creamsicle stuff. I would love right. it. Well, it would be great. It won't be until 2022, though, that that's going to be able to happen, at least and make sense, because that's when the Bucs can, can bring those jerseys back. The NFL had originally made that rule uh, for player safety purposes, trying to get that that one helmet and it right. fits the player or whatever. I don't understand. It never made sense to me. Just get a second helmet. That's what, they, that's what you do before. Yeah. I don't Real I don't get it. But, yeah, right. So they're now going to have to fit it and make sure it's the right, same make, model, and all that kind of stuff. But – I think that that's something the league can easily do, and they're gonna they've committed to it. So we're gonna see throwback jerseys everywhere. We're obviously excited about the creamsicles and excited to hear from Bucks fans. Sound off in the chat if you're happy about the creamsicles. If you're excited about that uniform uh, jersey color coming back uh, for the Bucks, or if you're on the on the side of things, I know it can be a bit polarizing. I think most fans like them, but I know. It can be a bit polarizing, and some people are out on those jerseys. Um, so sound off in the chat and let us know what you think. I love it as a change of pace. I don't know if I'd want it as a regular jersey, but as a change of pace, I'm definitely a fan of it. I'm excited to see it come back in 2022. Wish it was this season, but I wrote in the article up on Pewter Report, like if the Bucks can find a way to make magic happen this year, I think the creamsicles could help them in 2022. We, we're looking at a three-peat all of a sudden, Mark. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, a long way to go there. Uh, some, uh, some already some thoughts. Mike Reynolds, God, no. Please not creamsicles. So much suffering. Oh, he hates it. Oh, wow. Mike, just stop it. Go, Mike, Mike is- <laughs> you got to stop watching the podcast. Leave. Uh, Razor Squid says, I am glad to see my boy Mike Evans in creamsicle. Let's go. Let's go. He's never worn the creamsicles. Yep. That's right. Is Levante David the only buck who's worn? The only active one. I mean, before that, you had uh, Damar Dotson and um, Gerald McCoy, but but that's 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 really it of of anybody in a long time. In fact, you and I wrote two stories about the the creamsicles. I had Brian (laughs) Ford in an interview today and and asked him about it specifically. And, um, and then the news came out. So he knew what was coming out. He just couldn't say anything, you know? And it was uh, like two hours too early for Brian. He like hinted it's coming right right away. It was like an immediate announcement. So we ended up with an overload of creamsicle news today yeah. peter report we've got ronde barber all over the front page of peter report in the year we, we've got we've got a couple photos there's a couple of vincent jackson ones in the uh, admin yeah. but i didn't see your note till later on that you needed the, a creamsicle photo or i would have told you to use vincent but although rest in peace vincent i'm not sure that yeah. would have been the most appropriate one yeah, there are some yeah. levante ones floating around out there in our archive but um anyway we just didn't have one when the Lance right wants- size 
Lance wants the throwback all white with the orange numbers. What do you? How do you feel about this? I don't like it that, as much as the creamsicles. No, I, I don't think they'll ever do that. Um, they may sell the white jersey uh, with the orange numbers, but as far as is wearing those, I don't know that they'll do that. In fact, that was uh, that one to me is more associated with losing than than the orange one. The orange one was your home uniform, and the white one was the road uniform. And and during that stretch where the Buccaneers were awful. If they did happen to win a couple games, normally those were home games. So, yeah. um, you know, of course, we didn't get to see them unless you were at the stadium, John, because none of the games are on television. You don't even – you're too young to remember the blackout rule. Mm-hmm. When, plus, you're from Pittsburgh where every game was always sold out forever. That's but right. yeah. Buccaneer fans that have been around a long time remember, um, you know, before, you know, the, the Super Bowl year, it was tough to see a home Bucks game unless you went to the stadium. There were a couple teams, the Chicago Bears, that they sold out every year. Within, and not only did they have to sell out, John, they had to sell out seventy-two hours. Thursday wow. at one or Thursday at four, they had to have sold out the seventy-four thousand five hundred and sixty-two seats in the old Tampa Stadium, hmm. and uh, that didn't happen very often. Interesting. Yeah. No. I, I'm. I. Uh, I'm wondering. If that you you mentioned the white and the orange shirt numbers, I'm wondering if that one even comes back at any point. But I think you're right; it's probably one that they don't go back to or whatever. But I think the creamsicles being back as a change of pace would be great. Uh, yeah. I think that that would be something the fan base would get behind, and we know the players would. Tom Brady's kind of clamored for this for a while. He's posted a couple times on Instagram and social media over the last year <laughs> and a half or whatever it's been that he hopes that those jerseys come back and he wants to wear them, and so. How many, uh, how many years before the alarm clock number uniforms are considered throwback uniforms? I mean, I, 10 years from now, do we get a throwback okay. with the alarm? No, yeah, okay. <laughs> never. Just if those ever come back, I'm not covering the team. No, I will, will not are, go to that game. Oh, nope, won't even watch there's a reason television. I haven't covered the box with, when they've had those jerseys. <laughs> I, would, those, I couldn't do it. Those man. are so Yikes. bad. Uh, you know what's great, though? What's not bad at all? Celsius powers right active lives every day with essential functional energy. And the new tropical vibe is one you've got to check out. But it isn't just the drinks with Celsius. No, they're up with fast protein bars. Uh, these are we got two different flavors that they have. 20 grams of protein, low sugar, low carbs, no GMOs. Fast brands living an active lifestyle at the core of who they are. And their goal is to support a better you every day and with these flavors the white chocolate cookies and cream and the salted caramel peanut crunch you really can't go wrong i've had both of them i can't believe the taste i've had tons of protein bars over in my days but the taste of these things is unbelievable uh really 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 good stuff you can actually buy the amazon variety pack if you go down in the description of this podcast you'll see a link to the fast amazon variety pack go click on that Get yourself a variety pack and try both of these flavors because they are both outstanding. Silky smooth layers, deliciousness in these bars is off the charts. So make sure you get yourself some fast protein bars and try those out um, today. All right, we got a lot to talk about on this show, Mark, because before the jerseys and the creamsicles even happened, we're seven minutes into the show now, and we didn't even have that on the itinerary because that yeah. dropped right before the show. And so We'll obviously continue to talk about that uh, as it as it uh, over, as it gets closer to that time. But we've got plenty of time until the 2022 season when that's going to be relevant. But we are going back in time today, and we are talking about our top 10 bucks of all time. You've compiled your list. I've compiled my list. We have not talked about these lists with each other at all. This has been nope. this is this has very much been an individual thing. So um, we'll see kind of where both of us come down on this. But I'd say. 
Do we start at number one or do we start? No, at no, we got a 10. We got to, we got to go okay. backwards and, and go that way. Now here's the problem, John. I left my list in the other room. I've got to go grab it real quick. I think all I've right. got it all memorized, but I don't, I've, I've made some changes from seven to 10, quite a few. So as I was you thinking about it, right. so, so, so give me two it. seconds to grab it. This is real okay. professional right now. I'm going to walk off the camera. So maybe you can uh, talk for a minute, John. Sorry. I'll banter here for myself for a second. I had a harder time putting together this list than Mark did, obviously, because Mark covered the team, you know, at this time and he's grown up in the area. And so he's seen a lot more of some of the older bucks than I have. And I know, you know, Leroy Selman's going to be one that he's going to want to be higher on than me. I know um, he's one I've had to go back, watch highlight videos of, see, watch and kind of study his game and know where he should be ranked in this grouping. But we're also curious to hear from y'all, the fans, you know, let us know what your top 10 are, drop it in the chat or, you know, tell us when we're way off on somebody, uh, tell us somebody who's got to be in there that maybe isn't in on everybody else's uh, top 10 um, who you've got up there. Uh, let us know uh, what you think um, on that front, because we will definitely take that all under consideration uh, as we uh kind of organize our 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 list here lance says that uh you're a bucks archive <laughs> yourself uh at this point mark and that's probably true john i don't um, mean so to brag i don't mean to brag and i can't there are people out here that are even a bigger archive than me i have a seen i've seen watched attended listened to on the radio every single bucks game since the end of 77 in fact the very first game i watched was the very first win in 1977 when mm -hmm. they beat the Saints. I remember specifically that Sunday afternoon. I believe it was a 4 o'clock game. Me and my dad watched the game. And I thought to myself, man, this is a cool team, and they got cool uniforms. I'm going to start following this team. Little did I know the misery they would cause over the years, <laughs> you know, and uh, the heartbreak and the heartache. But I got hooked early on. But there are people out there that actually know more. Mark Fisher uh, that's in the chat right now. Now you talk uh, about an archivist. Uh, he's been around. Yes. He's an older guy than me. Uh, Mark is uh, Mark's tremendous with that kind of stuff. His memory's not quite as sharp as mine because he's older than me. But he's seen it all. He <laughs> literally has seen it all. I've almost seen it all, but he has seen it all. All right, let's get these lists started now. Important to note here: we are going off of this is these are the career accomplishments. This is that's what this is. This isn't like oh they had one season that was the greatest in Bucks history. So. You know, now they're they're on the list or whatever. At least for my purposes, longevity mattered a little bit more for this. Not saying that you couldn't be in the ring of honor, you couldn't be a great buck uh, without longevity. But for the top 10, I really tried to stick on the side of guys that accomplished things for more than one year. So for me, at least, I don't know for Mark, that took Tom Brady off my list because of that. Um, I didn't quite see him you know, making the list uh, due to that. But number 10 on my list, I'll go first. Number right. 10 on my list. Um yeah, I don't think he's a player that many people know, but he's a player that uh, I remember from when I was very young, like six or seven, maybe. He didn't play with the Bucks very long, but he was, I just remember him. He was just really impressive to me. And his name is Alvin Harper. And I just think he was a. <laughs> I almost. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you got me on that one you got me on that one now you gotta tell me i had to go to scott and i said who's a bucks player that mark just like oh. would just freak out if i put him oh. on the list he said, he said, you gotta tell melvin harper yeah yeah you got me on that one right in mid drink too so yeah are you, you, are you, you gonna me tell the alvin harper story now 
Well, I mean, there's a lot the of, there are, you know, there are plenty of Alvin Harper stories. The the one big story was, um, and I actually wrote about it, I believe, in one of the throwbacks that I did last year, or earlier this year. Alvin Harper, by the, was just a turd of a person. Anybody <laughs> that was in Tampa Bay, he was just a turd of a person. He wasn't good. With I don't fans. know anything about him. Keep in mind, I've never what even it, heard what, of him. what it, he was a jerk, a major jerk, and uh, he did own a couple of subway franchises in the area, but he was just a jerk. But uh, number one. He, uh, a trainer actually cut the tip of his finger off, cutting tape off of his finger uh, one time in a game. No wonder he was a jerk. Literally. Well, I mean, that was later on, but he was a jerk before he got here. He was a jerk from Dallas. But he came, he did, again, I, I, he came from Dallas where they were winning Super Bowls, right? And he's dunking over the goalposts and things like that. And he's a star next to Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith. And he comes to Tampa, who was just absolutely dreadful at the time. But I remember his last game and, Courtney Hawkins, who was a wide receiver out of Michigan State, his last game. Um, it was the last game of the year. We're in the locker room, and I'm talking to Courtney. And at the time, I don't have this little slick little microphone. I've got a, literally a cassette-sized tape recorder. That's what you had back then, John. Yeah. and Or a notepad that you wrote the quotes actually down. But um, I wasn't very good writing, so I didn't do that. So I remember talking to Courtney, and I was, I was asking Courtney, you know, he's going to be a free agent coming up. Um, you know, does he want to go somewhere where he can be, you know, a number one receiver? And all of a sudden I hear out of the, you know, in the corner of the, his locker was too, too down from Courtney. And he's like, nah, man, he wants to be a number two his whole life. And I look over and it's Alvin. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, anyway, so I keep talking to Courtney and he's just piping, just chip, 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 chip. And finally, I don't know why, maybe it's the ginger in me. I just kind of lost it. And I was just like, hey, man, can you maybe just like shut up for a second so I can talk to Courtney? And uh, he got up in my face and I didn't back down. I'm thinking, here's a payday, right? If Alvin Harper slugs me <laughs> in the locker true. room, I'm going to get rich because, you know, as bad as he was in football, he was making a lot of money from the Buccaneers. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I told him, I said, while you were dunking in Dallas, I was talking to Courtney since he was a rookie. So I'll keep talking to Courtney. And, uh, you know, why don't you butt out? And Lamar Thomas, who was a receiver for Miami, who was also kind of a turd um, at the time. He's matured now. And I believe he's the head coach over at Manatee High School now. But um, he was kind of – he he was just instigating it. He was laughing and getting other players around. And we draw a crowd at this point, but we're nose to – well – we're nose to throat because he's considerably taller than I am. But I mean, we're head to head as much as we can be. And uh, finally, the Bucks PR staff comes in and kind of breaks it up, and and another player does. But um, that was this really was what ninety seven, ninety five six somewhere okay. around there. Um, All right, so we're talking, yeah, yeah, years yeah a long time ago. I don't even know if you were born yet, but that's my <laughs> that's that's my that's five or six famous <laughs> Alvin Harper Harper story. What a what a real, real jerk this guy was, and I, and I was not. I was not going to back down at that point because I dealt with Alvin Harper for a couple of years and he was just surly to the media and just, just a jerk in real life. I mean, he got, he got, he drove around Tampa on a suspended license. I mean, here's the guy that didn't pay like basic tickets and I don't know, just a, just a real jerk. But anyway, well, that's all. Sorry. Well, I think it's funny too, because what we'll do at some point is this summer, you know, over the next month or so is we'll go back and we'll do the most disappointing bucks of all time, whether it was drafts or free agents, obviously just doing the worst guys wouldn't make sense. Cause there's guys that barely made the team, but we do the most disappointing, like expectations were here. Delivery was here. And I know people have already mentioned Chris Baker in the chat and that would be one right. that makes sense for sure. But anyway, that's something we can go back. Let's get the actual list started now. Apologies for derailing that. I, I had told I had Scott to throw, I said, I had to throw this one up real quick. I, I, sorry, <laughs> smile game. Smile game. Not, not a fan of Mark Cook. That's okay. Smile you don't have to be. Is 
was triggered by the the story there. Um, oh boy, so yeah, so my top ten list actually start or well begin and ends with James Wilder. Uh, we've talked about him a lot recently. One of the things I've noted as I've watched him and looked at his looked at some of the things that he did and in, in games and highlights and things was it was really noteworthy to me how much he caught the ball in his career at that point in time. He was kind of ahead of his time in, in that way, like that he would have the receiving production that he did. Now, for Tampa Bay uh, over all those years, I mean, he really, as a receiver, I think he had almost 2,000. I think he was over. Where was he in his career? Yeah, 3,500 yards yeah. Uh, receiving in his career. And, thir- and almost all of that, all but eight yards of that was in Tampa Bay. Um, a- averaging eight yards a catch. I mean, that was – those are great numbers for back. Obviously, as a rusher, you know, he had two great seasons in terms of production, some other solid years. I, fumbling was just a massive issue for him. I actually asked Scott about that. I was like, why was fumbling such a huge issue for this guy? And you might even remember that, Mark. But fumbling was unbelievable for him. He fumbled 29 times in those three best years that he had for the Bucs. Guys, just, guys know, fumbled a lot back in the that's 80s, what, That's man. what Scott said. He said no, I mean, they the carried ball the ball differently. I mean, you could hit a guy and try and, yeah. you know, take his head off. I mean, it was a different era of football. It was a more physical era of football. And let's not forget, this was a guy who set the NFL record for most carries in a season and at one point had the most carries in a game. I mean, he was uh, – he was just a workhorse by the end of the game. I mean, this guy was just dog tired. And I wrote in today's um, uh, hook column, the three players that I'd like to see in the ring of honor, James Wilder being one of them, that if you look up the picture of workhorse in the dictionary, it should have um, James Wilder's uh, picture there because he was such a workhorse for the Tampa Bay football team. No doubt about it. One of my favorite players and just, just a great guy too. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, he was one that I, to me, I was, I looked at the list and I was like, you know what? Obviously, there were some Bucks running backs in contention, you know, and I'm not saying that none of them will be on the list when we get to the end. But, you know, that was definitely uh, he was one of the ones that stood out to me just in terms of his production. And also, he played on terrible teams. We, you know, we bad played teams. on really, really bad teams and he was still a standout. So I wonder if he had played on some of the teams that Dunn and Allstop played on what his production would have looked like. Lawrence Taylor said he was the best football player ever played against. LT wow. I didn't know and, that, uh, but I feel great about including him now. And, and, and Bill Parcells, after that same game, it was a 17-14 to 14 game against the uh, Buccaneers. Bill Parcells said, I didn't know anything about James Wilder, and I don't care to see him again. And, uh, I mean, so that's <laughs> that's as good of a compliment as you're going to get from a guy like yeah. Bill Parcells. So That's great. All right, who's number 10 on your list? I got Mike Evans coming in at number 10. And, wow. You know, I, I – he's the Bucks all-time leading receiver. I mean, yeah. how can we not have him on the list? I could have had him maybe a little bit higher. I went back and looked at the list that Scott and I came up with a few years ago. Yeah, we did the all-time top 25. And uh, and Mike, I don't think, cracked the top 10 at the time. But, but I mean, in the wow. meantime, well, he's, only, okay. he's only continued to get 1,000 right. yards a season. I mean, he's an NFL record holder for most consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to start his career. And I don't see why he won't get 1,000 yards this season, if he stays healthy, um, Mike Evans is, is is not only one of my favorite football players uh, to cover because he's such a great guy, uh, but I just I just love watching the guy on the football field. I love his attitude. I love the way he, the passion that he plays with. And um, and I think he's already moved into the top 10 of, of Buccaneers, in my opinion. Oh, yes. Very easy. In my opinion, I and I, I'm surprised to hear him have there. Now, don't give anything away about your list, but Uh-oh. I'm just saying my reaction to your list is, wow, if Evans is 10, to me, he is like by far and away the best offensive player in Bucks history. So I'm thinking you might not have any other offensive players in your top 10, which is certainly possible with the Bucs. There's way more standouts on defense, but we'll see if that's true as we move through the list. 
But I, yeah, that's my first reaction to it is, wow, where are the, you know, the, if there are there other offensive players? Number nine for me uh-huh. is Hardy Nickerson. Uh, I just think what he meant to the team, you know, and he was a guy that wasn't necessarily like for me, like, oh, the, I, I think he was an elite. I think he's a Hall of Fame or anything like that. No. Uh, where the top eight guys, you might be able to make a case for all of them, um, but uh, that I have on my list. But for me, it was like, okay, I, I I think Hardy Nickerson was very valuable. He obviously, I think he was there six or seven years, maybe. Obviously, put up great production. He had seven picks too. The Bucks linebackers were unbelievable at intercepting the football uh, turnover machines. But also, just the, he was just a stabilizing presence, big free agent signing, and there was a lot of expectation there. And I think he really just delivered that and was a was a really kind of a key key guy for some of the younger talents that they brought in there to help guide them and things like that. So uh, I put him in there because I think I remember watching him. I was young. I was very little. And I remember watching him and just always thinking he was as reliable as it gets. Um, and that was, and he was a former Steeler. Do you That's remember right. him? Yeah, he was a former I, yeah. Steeler. Well, it was when I was very little at that yeah. point, but I know he was yeah. a Steeler. Yeah, yeah. I and 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 Hardy is on my list. I'll give that away. Uh, and James Wilder is also on my list, believe it or not. So, uh, oh. but I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about Hardy a little bit there. Um, and again, happened to be one of the guys that I wrote about should be in the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. His production was outstanding through his six years with Tampa Bay. I think ninety three to ninety nine, six or seven years. I'm not good with math, but um, the thing that, that Hardy did is he came to an organization. He came from Pittsburgh where, you know, the standard in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. John. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was completely different than what the 93 Buccaneers were. And yeah. he came in and he saw the old one Buccaneer place where Hugh Culverhouse, not an exaggeration, had a Coke machine in the player's locker room that they had to pay for drinks. Now wow. Buccaneers locker room, they've got, you know, whatever they want. They got a cafeteria. They don't pay anything. Hugh Culverhouse literally charged the players to buy soda in their own locker room. But anyway, Hardy Nickerson got here and he saw the lax attitude and the 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 lack of a work ethic and just no tradition here in Tampa Bay and began to rule that locker room with an iron fist. And as I wrote today's thing, and he used that iron fist on a couple players' heads. That's true stories, too. I believe it was Eric Curry that he rolled around in the locker room with one day uh, wow. because, I mean, here's the number one draft pick, not, you know, putting out what he should be. I believe it was Eric Curry. Again, I wish Scott was on because he's, he's got a little bit better memory of these things than I do. But, but, uh, but he was a guy that wasn't afraid to knock his own players upside the head if they needed it because he was just disgusted when he got here, when he looked around the locker room and saw the way the organization was run compared to what he saw in Pittsburgh. So I think, you know, we, we give, Tony Dungy, the the much due and and earned credit, and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp for turning this team around, but Hardy Nickerson was the first guy to make yeah. that change. He was the, he was he was a very important cog in seeing this team turn around from the from the yucks to the bucks, in mm. other words. And uh, gotcha, tremendous football player. Again, nice guy, right? We even covered him as a coach for a year under Lovey Smith, mm. and Scott would tell you this too. Hardy's a shy kind of guy. He's got this kind of, you know, real shy smile and he does, he's not a very loud and boisterous guy, but I've never met a player who turned on the Mm. attitude like Hardy Nickerson did when he got on a football field. Again, the nicest guy in the world, but on a football field, he would try and kill you. And uh, he just, uh, he was a leader by example, but also a vocal leader in that Buccaneer locker room and and a terrific player and definitely deserving of being in the top 10. And, And again, in the ring of honor, no question about it, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, he, he, Peter Cass says uh, Nickerson started a fight in his first preseason game, and that changed the whole team's mindset. 
Mark Fisher says Nickerson confronted McCants too. Um, yeah, it was so, it was I believe it was McCants. Maybe he fought, not maybe okay. Eric Curry. I can't remember. Again, somebody in the locker room. Yeah, year old problems. Yeah, it may have been <laughs> both of them. He may have right, fought so who's both number, of them at the same time. Who's number nine on your list? Number nine on my list is James Wilder, who you had. Okay, uh, Wilder. Not, yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, right, Wilder. Sweet. Again, we we talked about James, just a tremendous football player. Why he's not in the Ring of Honor right now, I don't understand. I really believe he'll be the next guy inducted into the Ring of Honor. There's been some pressure. His son, James Wilder Jr., that played at Florida State. Uh, I've written an article about it. Scott's written an article about it that he deserves it. And anytime we do, James Wilder's retweeting, and he gets a lot of support from Buccaneer fans. Mm -hmm. who remember James Wilder. I believe truly he'll be in the Buccaneers Ring of Honor, um, mm -hmm. if not next, but very, very soon. All-time leading rusher, right, in Bucks history? And uh, not until Mike but yards. He, he, and, and receiver until Mike Evans broke that record. I mean, just I a think, couple years ago. I mean, he was oh, for, receptions, for, yeah, over, for, for over 28 yards for over 28 years. This Crazy. guy as a running back was the all time leader in reception. Yeah. And it's really not even close. I mean, the next guy is right. more than 100 behind him and Mark Carrier. Uh, yep. I mean, Evans, obviously, uh, 102 up on Wilder at this point in time. So, what was the, but so you believe that Wilder is a better like than Evans like that that was surprises me I, I I you know again I'm looking at it from a perspective and I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat just a little bit John because I'm gonna go back to my fan days to a degree ah, um, to the older ones yeah and 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 the abuse that the the era that James Wilder played in versus what Mike Evans played in what he was required to do asked to do Bad he played behind too. just a dreadful dreadful offensive line I mean he. You know, this guy got very little help from his from his offensive teammates. Uh, and, and you know, he just – all he did was, yes, sir, when the coach asked him to do it, you know, carry the ball 43 times in this game. Okay. You know, he came in 84. He came very close to setting the all-time NFL record for total yards from scrimmage. That was a game, again, before you were born, where John McKay had his defense actually let a team score um, on the last series so they could get the ball back with about two minutes left to try and get James that all-time record. And he wow. ended up falling 16 yards short, but um, but he was a do-it-all, yeah. jack-of-all-trades, super, super guy too. Interesting. I see some lists going up here, and I know there's some guys on this list that I don't have on here. Uh, and I'm wondering now if we're both in agreement. I thought you would have him, but now that I've heard two offensive players, I'm wondering if Mike Allstott shows up on your list. So we'll keep it rolling, and we'll see if he makes that top 10 or not. But for me, number eight is John Lynch. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I think eight is a good spot for him because the top eight to me in Bucks history, we're talking about, to me, they're all Hall of Famers. That's how I would see it. Uh, to me, Lynch is the one that I think you could have had a you know fringe player. There's probably an argument for him, probably an argument against him. Uh, but he was an enforcer. And uh, we, you know, we've heard the stories even recently about how he – had to step in and maybe it was after Nickerson too, you know, some of this, but he had to step in and be kind of the voice of reason as some of these fights broke out in locker room or Warren Sapp was being the way that we know Warren Sapp yeah. can be at times. Yeah. And he's had to speak up and he's had to be the one to say things and go to coaches and be that, uh, that middleman kind of, and he took that upon himself. And those kind of players, I think really hold locker room together. Most of these guys, we don't have to remind fans how good they were as players. Lynch was obviously a great player, never really the ball Hawk type of safety. And that would probably be the argument against him for the hall of fame. Obviously he's in, so it doesn't matter whether there's an argument against him at this point in time, but that would be my, that would be my case there. But I think he's just a steady, reliable player and how long he did it. He went to Denver and was a really good player. I mean, that, that is crazy. He's in, in position, two ring of honors. He He's in two ring of yeah. honors. I mean, yeah. that just doesn't happen That's very tough to often. Beat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's and, eight for me. Lynch is on my list. Um, I'll go with my number eight. 
and you mentioned it, you gave it away just a second ago. Mike Holstott's number eight on my list. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as a true running back, uh, you know, James Wilder is probably better. But what Mike Allstott, again, meant to the franchise when you look at him coming in uh, the year that he did and um, being part of that turnaround of a franchise, giving the offense a little bit of identity, a defensive-based team. Listen, let's be honest. They won the Super Bowl uh, with a tremendous defense and an efficient offense. But Mike Allstott was such a fan favorite, a work pal type guy, uh, just came to work every day. And um, and and I, here's a story about Mike Allstott. His very first preseason game, he missed it because Mike was a second round draft pick in 96, if I remember right. But he, he was down in the dumps. They were playing the Miami uh, Dolphins in that preseason game. And one of the coaches like, hey, man, what's going on? I mean, the guy was almost in tears. And, and Mike said, I can't play. You know, I got a little hamstring injury. And uh, and the guy's like, okay, well, you can play next week. He said, yeah, but I need to make this football team. And the coach laughed and said, Mike, you're, you're going to make the football team. You were a second-round <laughs> draft pick. But, I mean, you know, the stories are legendary of Mike Allstott back in college at Purdue. One of his – I mean, he was the – he was – he was you know, remember in Rocky Four when he goes to Russia and he's he doesn't have any equipment, so he's got to chop logs and and, and, yeah. and lift trees and things. That was Mike Allstott back in college, pushing his Jeep in neutral up a hill. Uh, true stories, and that's why his thighs were as massive as they were. Again, love Mike Allstott. What he's done in the community might be just as good as what he did on the football field for the Tampa Bay area. But in my opinion, Mike Allstott certainly a top ten member of of this of of the Buccaneers, seven eight time Pro Bowl or whatever it was. Now again, that's a little bit of a cheat because he was never a true fullback. It was him and work done alternating at tailback for the most part. He wasn't ever a true fullback, but he got elected to the Pro Bowl as a fullback multiple times. Uh, but just a tremendous guy and 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 still a, a great member of the Tampa Bay community with his service work that he does. Obviously, Mike Allsott is going to have a fond place in Bucks fans' hearts. There's no question about that, I think. I just looked at it from a perspective. I'm well aware of – I mean, I remember all stuff when I was a kid. I actually watched him a ton. I remember him from every highlight reel at night. You know, when Chris Berman would do the highlights, he had all the you know, right. big runs and he'd run people over. He was a tone setter, no question. Short yardage, goal line, they were hard. It was hard to stop him. He caught the ball always well, too. You know, he's a good, well-rounded player. Um, you know, I would have had him in probably, you know, at 11 or 12 probably for me. Um, I, I just – I didn't put him on the list. I just didn't feel like it was enough production there to actually say that he was that big of a difference maker. But from the sentimental standpoint of it, I think fans really loved what he did and obviously he was there for a long time, the way he played the game. Uh, I think, you know, that that was a big thing for that Bucks team at that time because they didn't have this great explosive offense. So they right. needed a finisher and a closer, and they needed a guy who could score every time they were in the red zone, and that's what John, he, did. he did those things. You- you ask every offensive lineman, and I've asked them this question over the years, what gets you more amped up, 80-yard touchdown bomb or a running back that bowls over three guys for a 30-yard touchdown run? And it's not even close. I mean, they love to see a guy just roll another guy, right, to open up enough of a hole that they could roll a guy. And uh, and and Mike Allstott was that guy. I mean, I remember sitting as the, in the fans just as a, uh, in, the, in the stands as a fan – and you just when when he would get the ball and get through the you know initial line of scrimmage, everybody just stood up because you knew a linebacker or a safety was going to get oh, yeah. rolling backwards. I mean, he was just a, a highlight reel to watch and and a tremendous receiver out of the backfield. I believe he led the team his rookie year as a receiver out of the backfield with over seventy catches. 
um, yeah, where he played his, a more traditional fullback role. Right. His rookie year, he definitely caught the ball. I mean, there, there's no question. They used him a good bit. And uh, Mark Fisher said, he always says, we'll donate on site, by the way. So this is funny <laughs> that he follows up a typical statement with Len, Lenyard, and he spells my name wrong. Lenyard needs to be fired for that blasphemy on all thought. I know he's not the only one the chat is turned against me completely with the Allstott thing. And I knew that they would. I, I'm well aware. I mean, Allstott obviously was is a he just, you know, there's a fondness in Bucks fans' hearts. And I think if he'd any team that he played for would probably say that, you know. And so I think, you know, maybe it's a testament to the guys I have ahead of them that I think they're that good that they'd be ahead of Allstott. Um but uh to me, number seven on my list was Leroy Selman. Uh now whoa. there's gonna be some <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> whoa Whoa, you 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 got me with Alvin Harper, okay? But this, this is serious, is though. This is I'm with Led. I'm with I'm with Fisher on this. I, I'm calling Fisher. our owner right now and having you removed. Just, this is just. I'm oh, telling seven. Seven is like, fine, man. Like Fred highly Sanford. productive. Oh my god, highly productive. He was. I think he could have been effective in any era. He was a game changer, but like. Man, I'm. I got to know how he's better than Simeon Rice. I got. I need you to tell me what happened. Simeon Rice is a is a king, dude. Simeon Rice was a difference maker. He was in an era that if Simeon Rice played even ten five years later, he would have been. What he would have been in the top ten sacks all time. That's how good he was. So would Leroy Selman. You talk about Leroy Selman. You talk about playing in an era where they didn't throw the damn football. You got to think 1976, this guy. Number one, the very first draft pick all time of the franchise of a terrible team. There was no, you know, let's, you know, we're going to give you some of the better players from other teams. I mean, you just had to build a team from the castoffs from bad football teams and and, and draft. And, and that's why the Buccaneers rise from 0-26 to NFC Central Champs in 1979, four years later, is just so incredible is 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 they just didn't have any help from the league like like franchise uh, like new franchises get these days. Leroy Selman absolutely dominated his position in his era and they didn't start have they didn't even start with sacks, right, as a statistic until no. 1982. So we don't know how many sacks Leroy Selman would have had or had from 76 to 1982. Um, if it wasn't for a back injury, which it was a herniated disc that he suffered in the Pro Bowl in 1984, he probably would have played another three or four years, and and he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer most likely because he was still in his prime, playing well in '84. Uh, this guy was—he's Mr. Buccaneer. There's just no question about it. Ooh, I mean, the guy. Give away is, where he is on your list. Uh, well, I'm not, but uh, okay. I can say he's a lot higher than number seven on my <laughs> list. I'll give you that right there. Look, I mean, everybody ahead of him is a Hall of Famer or should be. So I don't know what's the big I, deal. We're talking I, about the I, elite of the lead here. He's ahead I mean, of a Hall of Famer. Like he's he he, he made. We're, we're an talking about can this be made seven if great you watch, players. If you watch Leroy Selman, if you watch him playing again, I understand you weren't even born yet, so it's impossible for you. If you watch Leroy Selman play, there is an argument to be made that he is the best of all time for the Buccaneers. And um, the guy was just dominant. I mean, he was unblockable one-on-one. Again, John, I joked in the uh, in in the, our group chat earlier that I've got several DVDs of Leroy Selman from VHS tapes that were transferred over. Thank you very much. Uh, um, I won't mention the guy's name because then all the Buccaneer fans will be begging him for DVD copies. But anyway, good friend who supplied me with these 
Um, he was just unblockable one-on-one. And I joked in our group chat that I would, uh, I would loan you a DVD player and loan you some of these DVDs. And I'm not even joking anymore. I'm going to deliver you a DVD player and some of these DVDs. Okay, good. I'm going to deliver you some of these DVDs. In fact, I'm going to have our guy make you some of Leroy's best games and you will come back in a month and you will apologize to every Buccaneer fan on the Pewter Report (laughs) podcast for your ridiculously low ranking of Mr. Buccaneer. Seven behind six guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, man, this the hate is strong. I think he was a great player, but I think there is a world of difference between offensive linemen at that point in time and offensive linemen in today's game. I think there's a world of difference. So I, I definitely equate that. It is very hard to compare across eras. I watched I've, everything I've seen of Leroy Selman, which is really the, the YouTube things that you've sent me and stuff. I do think he could have played in any era. I, I do say that about him, and that's why I even have him besides I do because I think that that's I don't think that's true of a lot of defensive linemen. I think he could have. But a uh, man, I just I don't know. I think seven's a pretty great spot for him. I think everybody ahead of him is an absolute baller, and I think people are still hating on Simeon Rice. And we'll get to that in a second. But who's seven on your list? I can't even I, I can't even concentrate right now. Uh, <laughs> Bob Banks is with you. They say, bro, this dude has no clue putting Selman at seven when he's Mister Buck. Simeon didn't even play here that long. Get this young dude out of here. Lol. <laughs> I and, and you just gave away my number seven. It was Simeon Rice. And um, all right, so we're pretty you know, close. Say, on I, I like Simeon Rice a lot. And again, if you read my hook column today, which uh, I looked at the numbers right before I came on, and not many people did yet. So just, just go click the article for me, please, if you don't want to read it. But Simeon Rice was my third player that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the uh, Ring of Honor. And and there's a, a very good case to be made for. Being a Hall of Fame player, I mean, the guy had over 120 career sacks, but he had 69 and a half with the Buccaneers. Um, just a terrific guy, um, a space cadet. He was he was a fun guy to to cover. I didn't cover him as much as Scott did. I was kind of in and out during the 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 Simeon Rice years, um, as far as being a reporter. But um, but uh, you know, you can't argue with the production. I mean, he was here for what 2001 to 2006. And until his last season that he was injured, he had double-digit sacks every single year. I mean, yeah. including two, uh, fif- one 15 and a half and one 15 sack. And he, that was coming off two years before that in Arizona where he had 16 and a half. I mean, the guy was a tremendous athlete, just a, just a, um, just a tremendous, tremendous athlete and uh, worked mm-hmm. very hard at his craft. Uh, it's a shame that he got injured, didn't pass the physical. The Buccaneers ended up cutting him after the 2006 season. Uh, there were even rumors a few years ago, Simeon Rice wanted to come back at like age 46 or something like that. <laughs> He's and one of the we, freaks, man. And, there were, and, and if you look at the guy, and I've seen him since then, he looks like he could still play in the league, believe it or not. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's still a specimen of a man. Uh, but he oh, was my number yeah. seven. And, and you know what? I actually, I actually had Tom Brady on my list initially at number seven. And I know you, you kind of prefaced this with we're not going to do the, you know, you, you were going with a lot of the longevity part of things. And Tom's a yeah. one-year wonder so far, but but I mean it's hard to keep Tom Brady off of a top ten list. But uh, uh, yeah. but but he is off my he he he's he you know you one more on. year another Super yeah. Bowl 
he's definitely in the yeah. top 10. I was going to say that at the end of the show, maybe too. And we'll keep it moving here. Cause I know we're already almost 39 minutes into the show, but yeah, we're going to, we got to maybe touch real quick on guys who could get into this list still that are, that are current bucks. But yeah, Simeon Rice was six for me just to add one more thing about him. I think Simeon Rice is one of the most underrated players in NFL history. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, the production's unbelievable at, at two different places. Uh, I know the Bucks fans might say, well, he didn't play here long enough for, to, to consider it. And fine, if that's an argument you want to make, there's probably pros and cons for all the arguments with these guys. That's why we're making a top 10 list of all right, time. Right. Um, but yeah, to me, I thought he was just an absolute difference maker. I mean, he played really when he played, the NFL was starting to become more of a passing league. But like, it's not like it is today where like getting double digit sacks is, you know, everybody does that. You know, if you're if you're halfway decent, you usually get double digit sacks or at least, you know, have tons of pressures or in close position to. He was just incredible. I mean, out of his six seasons with the Bucs, you mentioned all but the injury, pro, uh, the injured one, he had 11 or more sacks. He had 14 or more three times. He was hit the 15 mark twice. And then you go back to his time in Arizona, he had the 16 and a half sack season. He was just it was double digits, high double digits every year. He was dominant, um, even when he didn't play with another dominant player. But obviously, playing with Sapp certainly helped him. But he was just—I mean, he—he he, to me, he was like offensive lineman couldn't handle Simeon Rice really. Like if the league had been more of a passing league, I really think he'd be like a, he'd have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he still should be. I think he's twentieth all time in sacks, and we don't even talk about Simeon Rice as Hall of Famer. Like you said, he was unbelievable for the Bucs. He was unbelievable in Arizona when he played. I mean, he had 51 and a half yeah. sacks in Arizona. I mean, so it was – and that was – the team was terrible, you know. So, uh, I yeah, I just think he was an absolute monster. Like you said, uh, the athleticism to play. Yeah, he might not have been an elite run defender, but you were talking about a game-changing type of pass rusher. I just don't think he ever got talked about enough, and maybe it's because he finished his career on a great defense with a lot of other big names, but – I think he's – I mean, anybody who watches him, it's – like, look at the way that guy turns the corner, gets after the quarterback. I mean, it was – to he me, he such, was just always a player. Such great length, to too. I mean, he had tremendous length and a wingspan. Yeah. Uh, the amount of fumbles that this guy forced over his career. And I'll tell you this. I don't think anybody's ever looked this up, but it'd be interesting if somebody did. Um, I don't know that there was a Buccaneer defensive player – a defensive lineman who had more pass breakups, meaning batting the ball down to the line of scrimmage. If huh. he didn't, get, if he didn't get there, he was going to knock the ball down. I mean, he yeah, was you're just right. Two thousand two, he, he had eleven. In the year wow. before eight, the year after eight, that's crazy numbers. That it would yeah. be like league leading today. I don't know what it was those years, but today yeah. I know I think that usually the league leading defensive lineman has about eight or seven or eight. So that's crazy. Three straight num- years like that. I, yeah. He's just a difference. I mean, six force fumbles twice as a buck. We had four one another year, uh, eight one year, uh, or sorry, that's a force five, five one year with Arizona. He was just he knew how to didn't play the game. Like, he changed. Didn't he have games. like seven career interceptions too. I mean, that's he, you know he, he had five. He had five career interceptions okay. for a defensive lineman. Yeah, he was. I just think he was a game changing player, and there aren't many like game changing players that just don't like he. We don't talk about him in the Hall of Fame. We just don't. Right. He's not. He doesn't get brought up. I think it's a shame. I think he's a. I think he's an absolute Hall of Famer. That, that's how sure. I feel about him. So anyway, no, I agree. With we, that. we we got to keep moving to find number five or uh, number six. Is this number six for you? Who's number? Yeah, six number six for me. And again, once you get here, these these one through six for me are, are not 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 true. The first two aren't interchangeable. But after that, the, the four, five, six is kind of interchangeable. I've got I've got Rondé Barber at number six. And um, again, Rondé Barber was never going to wow anybody with his athletic prowess. Um, although he'll remind you that he was like an NCAA 100 yard 
dash champion at some point or something like that. I mean, he was, he was a pretty fast sprinter guy in college, but, um, but, but his football IQ, um, what he meant to this franchise. And again, as far as in terms of covering a guy, it, sitting down and talking to him and, and, and picking his brain, uh, very few better than Rondé Barber. Again, he could be as high as four on my list. I've got him at six, but um, just a tremendous football player, um, and 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 deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. His his the amount of interceptions and sacks he had. He John he created a position right. Monty Kiffin and that yeah. defense um, created a, a position. He was a hybrid defensive back, hybrid linebacker, slot corner. You know, he played on the outside some, but. You know, he was tremendous against the run. He got to the quarterback. He was smart. Um, and nobody will ever be able to take away um, what he meant to this franchise in, in 2002 when he returned that Donovan McNabb pass to send the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. I mean, I've cried watching the Buccaneers several times when they lost when I was a kid. Uh, but as far as joy, that was the only time maybe my eyes watered up because when he picked him off and went 92 yards and I realized – this team's going to the Super Bowl. It was probably the most emo- more emotional than the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl last year. More emotional than them beating the Raiders. The fact that wow. they were going. Uh, yeah. Rondé Barber will have his, always have a strong place in my heart for that. And, um, and and again, you add in the fact that he's just a super, super guy. You'll get to meet him. He'll be out at training camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you'll come away just as impressed as all of us are when you get a chance to spend a few minutes with Rondé Barber. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Number five for me is Mike Evans. Um, not a lot that needs to be added. Uh, to me, best offensive player in Bucks history by a country mile. I don't think anybody else is even close. Uh, what he's done to start his career, I mean, obviously never been done before. Crazy at that position that he's done it. Crazy with some of the erratic quarterback play he's gotten over the years that he's done it. Even going, look, his rookie season could have been his best season. And he had Josh McCown and whoever throwing him the ball that year. I mean, he's, I think he's just, he's, I think he's incredible. I think what he's done, consistency, taking care of his body, obviously as a person, as a leader, never complain. I mean, to, to go through the teams that he's gone through and to be on those teams and the organization when it looked as lost as it did. Um, he's kind of, he's like Levante to me. Like the fact that they've had two guys like that. We'll never be able to say enough about what it meant to the team eventually being able to put together a Super Bowl championship out of, out of that group. He's he's a special player to me. Uh, all right, who's number five for you? I've got Hardy Nickerson up at number five, and again, he's a guy that you know when I, I, I he actually moved up my list a little bit from when I originally did this list with Scott several years ago, or a few years ago. Um, again, when you go back and look at some of the things that he did and what he meant to this franchise, again, I'm including that a little bit in there. Um, he was a catalyst to the success and the turnaround of this franchise in the mid to late '90s. Uh, Hardy Nickerson was important to this football team, deserves to be in the Buccaneers Ring of Honor, and uh, and he will be. And uh, let's not forget he coached too here, and he was even a, a radio commentator with Gene Deckerhoff for a couple years with the Buccaneers. So Hardy Nickerson, great guy and a tremendous football player, but uh, very important to this franchise, and he's number five on my list. Number four for me is Levante David. Uh, I just – when I I think Levante David should absolutely be a Hall of Famer. The NFL just – just basically blew it for years with the Pro Bowl, and I think it's probably going to affect whether he should be in or not. I don't know many people that would have actually watched Levante David that wouldn't say this is a Hall of Fame talent. And I have, I'm not saying it because I cover the Bucs. I've said this before I ever covered the Bucs. I just, it, it's one of the few players across the league. There's always a couple in an era that slipped through. And maybe it's because of Keekley and Wagner and those teams doing what they did. Obviously, Panthers going to Super Bowl. They were a good team uh, throughout those years. And, and that maybe that's why Seattle obviously had plenty of good teams. I don't know why we can't just honor more dudes, but that's how the league does things. That's how fans see things a lot of time. And for whatever reason, 
I mean, 128 tackles for loss. I mean, that's a, to me, that's like the most impactful thing a linebacker can do that and cover. And he, I mean, blows away every, I know they didn't necessarily track it as much when Brooks played, but uh, you know, just blows away the competition in that regard. Like just had unbelievable numbers. He's done it as a blitzer. He's been an elite coverage guy. Not only is he an elite coverage guy statistically when you watch tape, but he allows them to be able to do things defensively that other teams can't do because they don't have somebody like Levante David. Special player, special person. Uh, again, like I said about Evans, I just you can't say enough about those two guys sticking it out, being what they were to the franchise for as long as they were and what it's meant to them being in the Super Bowl. So number four for you is? Is John Lynch. I've got him higher than you had, John wow, Lynch. Wow, you do, yeah. When you watch John Lynch played football for this team, he played in an era where NFL highlight videotapes were one of the top rented things at Blockbuster Video, John. That's, again, how old I am. Uh, the NFL promoted the hits, right? Now they, they they run and hide from it, and you can't hit anybody at all. Um, right. and, you know, unless you try and tackle their ankles, but, uh, John Lynch, John Lynch said, had a quote one time that when he tackled a guy, he wasn't tackling the guy that he tackled. He was trying to get through the guy's body to tackle somebody behind him. I mean, he envisioned needing to go through the ball carrier to get to somebody else. I mean, mm -hmm. the guy was a total maniac on the football field. And again, as I mentioned with another player, Hardy Nickerson, Super nice guy off the football field. I mean, just a, just and you would again. You see John Lynch in a locker room without a shirt on. You know he's he's you know he's 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 in good shape, but he's not certainly this chiseled machine of a man. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but but just what he what he did on the football field. Again, if Mike Allstock got the fans standing on their feet uh, offensively, it was John Lynch who did the same thing defensively because he mm -hmm. was a human highlight reel in terms of hits and you can still fortunately go back and look on YouTube and find some video of him. And then what you mentioned earlier, the fact that he was able to go to Denver and be productive, uh, you know, still and, and be a member of their ring of honor. Um, you know, even his success as a GM in the league, which I thought was a terrible hire initially tells you why I don't know anything about football right there. Uh, John Lynch has been tremendous in, in San mm -hmm. Francisco. Um, but, um, but John Lynch is, is number four on my list. He's, you know, again, there's some interchangeable things here. Levante David is not on my list. I'm just going to say it. And it's it's not that, I, you know, there's several guys that could be in the top 10. He was one of those no guys way. for me. Okay, listen, if people are going to lose He's it about not. Leroy, this man doesn't have David in the top 10. Please, I mean, you got to ether this man. You cannot let this go, Bucks fans. Yeah, this yeah, man yeah. is a living legend. <laughs> I love Levante David. There's no question about it. I just... You know, and, and when it's all said and done, he'll probably be in my top ten. I'll probably throw a James Wilder he's down like the 31. list. He's like thirty-one. He's I'm beside myself. I, I couldn't fit them all in, John. I couldn't fit them all in. I've got a forty-six year history watching this team, and and the effect that they had. And, and also, it averaged like two yards a carry for like most of his career. No, come you on, that's David just not over. true. <laughs> and I'll say this. I'll say this. And this is a thing that Scott brings up a lot when we talk about Gerald McCoy, who also is not on my list. Gerald McCoy will be a Ring of Honor player one day for the Buccaneers, but he never made the playoffs. And Scott puts a lot of weight in that. Mm -hmm. Up until this year, Levante David played a long time and was not a not a playoff. You but know, he's again, a linebacker. I get it. 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 I'm not saying. You're wrong. I, I don't people disagree agree with, with you. you That's how ridiculous. Well, some people hate it, and then other people agree yeah. with you. Greg yeah, it's, agrees it's, with you. you know, Richard I love agrees with David. You. Yeah. 
Bucks fans, you're part of the problem. This is why Peter, these guys not going to the Hall of Fame. Peter Cast is losing his mind. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's Brett or if that's Ren or that's, if Ren, that's Steve I think. or whoever it is. I don't know. But David um, is anyway. lit, confused. Chad thinks he's a generational linebacker. Mike Reynolds is fuming. I think Bud meant to say absurd. I'm not sure. He said absorb. <laughs> Maybe he's just absorbing all this. <laughs> again, this is a subjective list. You know what Bud I mean? Says, again, a, it is, it, but that's, I would, I'm going to, we need Scott's opinion on this. We need a tiebreaker. All right. You know what? I wonder if Scott's listening right now. Do you know? I, he I probably, he probably isn't. They're doing some party in his house. I think he's, his voice, you know, his voice, we, his we, voice. But, but he could at least he, text us and tell he's us. He's trying to get hell. out of, he's trying to get out of his top 10. So Bucks fans don't come after him. He doesn't want rain. Wait, 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 wait. Can we give away what Scott's going to be doing in July? Yeah, Did Scott's going to be away? ranking, what is he, top 25 one all through, time? Yeah, Bucks? he's going to be doing a 1 through 25 starting yep. July 1st through the 25th. So, so Buccaneer fans, fans get we'll, get see, we'll get to see yep. where he has Levante David ranked. Yep. He's gotten closer down to number 9, 10, 11, or if he's going to be a top 5 guy like John Hamm. <sighs> I can't. I got to move on. Rondé Barber is number three for me. <laughs> okay, there's only a couple more yours, spots though. left. There's only a couple more spots left. <laughs> Rondé Barber is number three for me. I don't. It's to me. It's I, again. I listed with Simeon Rice. To me, they're both baffling. It's the Bucks, and that's why they're not in the Hall of Fame. We don't need to say more than that. People know what I mean. They never got the respect. It's the reason David won't go. It's the reason that Simeon Rice doesn't even get talked about. It's the reason Rondé isn't in right now. All those guys are Hall of Fame talents. I've watched the NFL for years. I don't even have an affinity to the Bucks. I'm not biased when I say this. Rondé Barber created a position, redefined the position. The position is one of the more valuable positions in the NFL today, is having guys that can play in the nickel. He put up unreal production. He was a great blitzer. He was an unbelievable run defender. He won Super Bowls. He made Pro Bowls. He was an all-pro. He made big plays in big moments. He's an unbelievable person. He's a great off-field track record. There's just no reason in the world why Rondé Barber shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. It's absurd. The only reason is that he's a buck, and it's just that's that's what happens with some teams. They fly under the radar, and it's a shame, and he'll be in there someday, but it's just frustrating that it hasn't happened yet because he should be in there. Ronnie Barber, number three for me. Who's number three for you? Briar Greaves. Briar Greaves. Let's Breyer go. Briar Greaves is number three. <laughs> and you know what? Actually, let's be honest. If we're ranking top insurance companies in the Tampa Bay area, Briar Greaves would be number one on the list. And Briar and Sam do a tremendous job. And I guarantee you, Briar Greaves would agree with me on Leroy Selman because Briar's old like me and he's seen but the But what do you agree play. with you on Levante David? He might Sam disagree agrees. with me on that. Sam, Sam would Sam would tend to agree with you because he's a young buck like he's you. He's a young buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but Briar Greaves has been doing this for 31 years, guys. You don't stay in business for 31 years if you're not doing something right. Hurricane season is coming up. You need to get your property uh, protected. Make sure you've got enough coverage. The last thing we want to see is a major storm come through the Bay Area. But, John, we're due. The Tampa Bay Area is due for a major hurricane. We've ducked and been lucky for years and decades now. It's going to eventually happen. And the last thing you want to be due to do is to find out you don't have enough coverage to replace your property, your 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 structures, your home, your business, your automobile. Briar Greaves can do that for you. Just give them a call at 813-876-4166. Again, 813-876-4166. Give Briar, Sam, Diana, anybody in the office a call. Let them know that you just want to compare. You want to shop around. List them. Tell them what you've got, what you've got for homeowners, what you have for auto, what you have for life. 
let them shop around. They'll call you back. They'll tell you if they can save you some money. Chances are they can. But if they can't, they'll just tell you that you're in a good spot. You need to stay where you are because they're not just trying to take your money. They want to develop a long-term relationship with you. And honesty goes a long way, in my opinion, when you're dealing with an insurance company. It's not a 1-800-BOX number that you're calling. You're calling a personal right. line. You're speaking to those guys directly. BriarGreaves.com or 813-876-4166. 31 years in business doing something right. I didn't love even it. have to read love anything. It. That's just off the top of my head. That's, that's just off the top of your head. That's how much you love it. I get it. I get I, it. I love what, it. I love Mark. What did I say about Paul Gruber? Mark's getting after me. Like Mark Fisher's getting after me saying I said I didn't say anything about no, Paul. No, no, you didn't say anything about Paul Gruber. And this is another guy like Levante David. And again, when we get to the end, and we've got a few more minutes here, yeah. when we get to the end, I've got five or six, seven guys on a list that could have you could argue well, it could be top yeah. ten guys, but anyway, I'm interested right, so. in hearing who your guys are that are that aren't on the list. Number, I mean, number two and number one are probably going to be the same for both of us. But number two for me is Warren Sapp. I think he's you know maybe he's got a conversation being for the best defensive tackle of all time. Talented player, you could easily say it was Sapp. I, you know, and just I'll go number one too. I'll just get my talk two out of the way. Derek Brooks is number one for me because I think he changed the way the league plays the linebacker position. His coverage ability, his range, but also he was an elite leader. He was a great tackler. There's nothing he's bad at. He's one of the all-time greats at that position that has, by the way, a ton of all-time greats, probably more than defensive tackle even does in terms of pass rushers. Sap redefined pass rushing as a defensive tackle. Um, he was a penetrating type. He was not the build of some other defensive tackles that you've maybe seen in other years. He was a dominant, elite tier player on the field. The thing that edged it for me was just Brooks was just a little bit more stable as a leader character guy. Um, and so that edged it for me. But you could have either of those guys in the top spot. Both of them are those are the all-time two greatest bucks, in my opinion. Well, you didn't let me give me my number three. Oh, I didn't. You didn't give three. No, not give oh, three sorry. because because it would have been Derek Brooks is my number three oh. guy. Oh, uh, love Derek Brooks. He's a Florida State guy. Loved him in college. Oh, loved right. him when the Buccaneers drafted him here in Tampa Bay in in 1995. Um, just a just a tremendous guy, a tremendous football player. Um, again, like you said, kind of revolutionized that position to a degree. His ability to drop into coverage. I mean, he wasn't a guy, highlight reel, hit you kind of guy, although he could thump you. I guarantee you, you didn't want to get hit by him. However, um, you know, he, he's, he's again, these three are fairly interchangeable. Um, my three, Derek Brooks at number three. I've got Leroy Selman at number two. And Warren okay. Sapp is my number one guy. And again, you could, you know, tomorrow I may say Leroy Selman, but to me, yeah. Warren Sapp was uh, just the most dominant guy at his position for such a long time. Right. Nasty attitude, love to come out, antagonize the other team. I I guess I'm one of those kind of people that like to be like that. Again, my buddy Spencer Robinson is listening to the podcast now, and he remembers when we used to play backyard football. I used to like to pick fights and, and talk a lot of smack, and I was just kind of a jerk, kind of like I am now, John. Actually, I haven't changed a lot in my 50 years, but Warren Sapp, um, I got a little sap in me too. He's just a you know, just a dirty, not dirty, but just kind of a, you know, when he played football, uh, he played with an edge. And I love that about Warren Sapp, just a tremendous uh, football player. I loved watching him. Leroy Selman, again, you had him at number seven, which, you know, again, grounds for firing. We're going to take a vote as soon as this show's <laughs> over and come up with your severance package. But, um, but, but uh, Leroy, number two, Mr. Buccaneer, there's no question about it. I mean, there's a reason. There's an entire 
freeway named after him. It's called the well, Leroy Selman Expressway. I mean, they don't just do that for any Tom, Dick, and Harry out there, okay? Well, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he was like Gosh. the only good player they had for 30 years. So yeah. I mean, that probably sweet. plays a Which, part, which means that he should actually it. be higher because he was a great player on a bad football team for a long time. Uh, although, let's not forget 79, 81, 82. He was a playoff football player. And again, tremendous guy in the community here's the deal about leroy selman in the offseason again they talk about the old time versus the new time the old time guys some of these guys had jobs in the offseason leroy selman worked in the offseason at a bank right i mean he was preparing for life after football during his football career and he went on to become the athletic director the director for usf help yep. um, institute that football program there who knows if there's football at usf today taylor jenkins somewhere right. is smiling without leroy selman plus uh, of all the guys I've ever interviewed in my entire life, I've never interviewed a guy more nice uh, or more polite than Leroy Selman. In 1993, 94, I was a nobody. I, I got a press credential because I worked at a radio station, and uh, I didn't get paid to go out there, but I did it on my own. And I remember Leroy Selman was at a Buccaneer practice at the old one Buccaneer place out on the patio, literally where the weights were. They weren't inside the building. They were outside on a patio where the weight room was. And we were watching practice one day. Um, I don't remember if it was an OTA or a mini camp or something like that. And I was a nobody. And I was so scared to go up and ask him if he would interview me. The guy spent 20 minutes just talking to me like I was uh, Ed Warder or I was Chris Mortensen or I was somebody important. That's the kind of guy Leroy Selman was. Treated everybody with the utmost respect. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, nicest guy in the world off the football field, but once the football pads came on, uh, you didn't want to stand in the way of Leroy Selman. So, Sap, Selman, Brooks, again, those three are really interchangeable. I will tell yeah. you right now, Scott's favorite football player of all time is Rondé Barber, but he believes um, Derek Brooks is was a little bit better than Warren Sap. But anyway, it's all opinion wow. at this Sneak point. Sneak peeks into Scott. Now, a lot of yeah. people have asked about Paul Gruber. Well, mainly a couple of the the, uh, the people that have watched him at that point in time. Here's my situation with Paul Gruber. He was – I remember when I was a kid, obviously, was when Gruber played. And I remember he was one of the few bucks at that time that everybody kind of knew was a good player and at that point, uh, especially on offense. And I wanted his card. I, I, I actually was one of those weird kids. I didn't want the autographed famous players' cards. I wanted, like – everybody for every team and at that time it was harder to get boxed than most teams in terms yeah. of cards even so I I wanted a Gruber card because he was one of the better players at that point in time one of the players I knew at that point I was you know, young so I didn't know that many even offensive linemen um and I got his card and I remember that and remember just being it being pumped about it and I still have it it's in my closet over here his card but anyway I say all that to say I knew Gruber was a good player I obviously did not watch offensive line play like I do now when I was that age. And there's not like Paul Gruber highlights laying around. So I was just at a huge disadvantage with Gruber. I just asked Scott if he'd have him in the top 10 or I showed Scott my 10 and he didn't mention Gruber should be in there. So I just didn't have him in my top 10. So kind of blame Scott if he should be in there. I know you didn't have him either. So I trust you guys more than, more than anybody, but I think he was 11, 12, 13. I think he's in that range. If you put him at nine or 10, would I care to me, the top eight or the top eight, I, I like, I wouldn't change anything in my top eight. After that, Nickerson, you know, I think I like him at nine. I think you could put Wilder or Allstott or Gruber at 10. Um, you know, those were all good players. There's right. probably an argument for Gerald McCoy out there. I I didn't really consider him, but there's probably an argument for that out there. There were other good players. But who do you have? Other guys I didn't mention. Do you have anybody that I didn't mention that you think? Not, uh, not really. I mean, I, again, looking at my list, the first one I had outside the top 10 was uh, was Paul Gruber, Levante, Levante David. And uh, then I had, you know, Mark Carrier was was good, but it was kind of a brief 
window there. He was a really good football player for this team. Jimmy Giles is in the ring of honor. I was going to um, ask you about him. You know, J Jimmy was a great tight end. And again, in an era when they didn't throw the football to tight ends a lot. I mean, this guy still is tied with the most touchdowns in a game with four touchdown receptions that he had against the Miami Dolphins in 1985. I mean, he just dominated the Dolphins that day. The Buccaneers ended up mm -hmm. losing, I think, 41-38 in that game. But um, um, but Giles was the guy. Gerald McCoy, another guy. Dave Logan, um, again, old old Buccaneer fans will remember Dave Logan as a nose tackle for this team in, in that 3-4 defense. Went on to a long radio career. Died uh, suddenly several years ago in the offseason. Young, thought to be healthy, had a uh, deep vein thrombosis, uh, a blood clot that uh, went to his lung and killed him. Um, another guy, you know, the, the Buccaneers said, Charlie Hanna had a at one point uh, went on to have a better career once he left Tampa Bay. You know, there's there's a there's a lot of fringe guys that we could probably have on this list. Uh, but I think my top 10 is pretty solid. That yours is yep. awful except for the Leroy <laughs> pick. That's just bad. We both have You're something outrageous apparently. Like I yeah, ah, I can't believe the David thing, but we both have something that triggered the other, which is what I was hoping for. I didn't want the full list to trigger it, but I wanted both of us to be triggered by something, and that was successful. We did that. So great job by us. Uh, somebody asked, uh, Greg asked, which current buck makes the top five after his career is over outside of Mike Evans? We can go down the Vita Vea, Devin White path if we want. Uh, those guys are so early in their career. Yeah, it's it's easy to say that we could say it about Winfield. We could say it about Carlton Davis. You know, we could say it say about Chris Godwin. Me, maybe I mean, right. who knows? You're right. Yeah. I, wait, wait, we haven't even Ali Marpet. I mean, I mean, there's yes, a guy that probably you know could be a top ten guy when it's all said and, and done. I, and I'm going to be honest. I know I said longevity, but if Brady goes out and wins another Super Bowl or yes. just balls out for the next two years and gets them deep into the playoffs. I mean, I'm, he's going to not only be in there, but he's going to be high for me. Like that's if Tristan Wirfs gives up one sack over the next ten years, average just one yeah. sack, he's he's top five. I mean, right? I mean, as I as I say that about White is. and Vea career, the way Tristan Wirfs started his career, like that's yeah. insane. That's like the mark of a guy that you know could be. Now White, he started slow and he started to come on last year. There's certainly that talent. Let's see what happens. Vea started slow and last year was kind of the best we've seen of him, but he got hurt. And so we just have a long way to go. We're obviously super excited, but we're talking about top 10 all time. To me, like it's too early for those guys in the conversation maybe. But when you start a career like Werfs did, yeah. When you have a career like Marpet's had, yeah, I think those guys are ones that will be considered in there. But, yeah, Godwin qualifies too to a degree. I mean, it would be nice to see a little bit more production from him because that does matter. I don't box score scout an individual season, but over the course of a career, that's a huge sample size. If you have great production over the course of a, of a career, you're probably – you know, that's when – when we're talking about all-time greats for a team, ring of honor for a team, hall of fame, that's when it's okay to box score scout. You have a huge sample size <laughs> with which to produce from. So that's what John, I, I, I like to do. I'm reading some texts that I got. They're, they're not in the chat. Uh, <laughs> that we're listening live. Uh, you need to give me John's address, and I need to send him a couple of games from Leroy Selman. That oh, was that's insane. it. I thought, <laughs> I thought uh, it was going to be person, something for Another Andrew. person, Leroy number seven is fighting words. Somebody else texted zero credibility after that, John. Uh, these are texts. <laughs> these aren't even uh, these aren't even in the chat. Zero credibility. Yeah. Because zero credibility. I'm telling you. you. And that came from oh, uh, Hugh man. MacArthur, our owner. Just kidding. It didn't come from <laughs> Hugh. Although Hugh would probably hey, he, agree with you. He would probably that. agree with you. Yeah, he would, I would yeah. probably. Yeah. Hugh, Hugh, probably Hugh, be Hugh grew up here. He he grew up during the heyday of, of Leroy Selman. He knows how right, important right. he was. Oh, he'd be, he'd be, yeah, he'll be furious when he sees this, I'm sure. I didn't realize seven was going to be that bad. I knew you'd be mad. 
but seven behind six other guys that I think are absolutely Hall of Fame talents. That's so, yeah. tough, yeah. tough world out here, yeah. but here we are. Uh, not your fault. You're young. That's all. That's, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to hate you because I just keep telling myself it's not your fault that you didn't live in Tampa during that time. You didn't get to see Leroy play. So it's not, your but fault. you've seen the Vontae. Oh, all right. I'm done. But uh, well, no, yeah. somebody asked, <laughs> somebody asked uh, too about um, who was, somebody asked about, uh, who was it they asked about? I wanted to cover the question if we got it, but I don't remember where it is now. It got buried. Somebody Jaylen asked Darden. about Doug Williams. How long was Doug Williams with the Bucks? You know, he was with the Buccaneers from 78 to 82. So he had, what is that? Oh, I don't know. Again, long. figure out the years. But look, right. he's in the ring of honor. And um, statistically, you would say absolutely not. He's he's not a top 10 guy. Um, but when you start looking at, you know, the fact that he led the Buccaneers to the playoffs, you know, three out of four years during that stretch he was here and the way he was treated by Hugh Culverhouse. Uh, he absolutely deserves Ring of Honor mention. I, he's not a top 10 buck of all time in terms, if you want to base it on statistics and production. Mm -hmm. um, but as a leader, and let's not forget, Doug Williams, one of the very first black quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. And, and first he did it in the this, Super Bowl. Yeah. It, it, first win the Super Bowl. He did it in the South. And, 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 he took a lot of racial abuse. In fact, John McKay went into the stands after a Minnesota Vikings game because somebody yelled a racial slur at Doug mm -hmm. Williams, and, and they had to restrain John McKay from going into the stands because he was going to fight the fan, and he never uh, apologized for that. And he took a lot of you know criticism at the time from the media for that, but John McKay stood up. Uh, yeah. went out on the limb for a guy like Doug Williams. Again, played at Gramley. It wasn't like he even played at an elite big you know, mm -hmm. named school. Uh, but some of the things that he did was just revolutionary and um, and very important, not just to the Buccaneer organization, John, but to the history of the NFL. So I have yeah. mad respect for Doug yeah. Williams. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody would, uh, would agree with you on that for sure. Uh, some confused, Chad, and this is the last one we'll do because we got to wrap it up. Where would you guys place work done on the Falcons all time? 10, top 10 list? Or? <laughs> He's a top 25 guy probably. I mean, if yeah. you, I, I'll be interesting to see what Scott comes up with. I think he's probably a top 25 guy because he ranks he pretty high make, yeah. on the all-time rushing yards. And, um, again, if we're going to even include a little bit of the personal thing, um, what he's done in this Tampa community, the homes that he's bought and purchased for single moms and things like that, um, there's not a finer human that we could put on a list. If it's a list of humanity, of good people, work, work, work done would be number one on that list. Yeah. He actually did. He was more productive in Atlanta than he was in uh, Tampa Bay. So, I mean, you would think just from that standpoint, you know, maybe he would be higher. They're more productive as a receiver in Tampa Bay, though, for sure. Really good player, no question. Um, but he was splitting you know, time with Allstott. I mean, they were they yeah, were flipping yeah. flopping those guys constantly. Yeah. He had a, he had a couple one thousand yard seasons, but again, three of those came with Atlanta, I believe. So yeah. you you have to weigh the Tampa Bay versus Atlanta part of it for sure. But yeah, really good player for sure. If he had spent his whole, if that all his production had come in Tampa Bay. Oh, he would for sure have made. Scott my was so mad when they drafted work done over. I think Corey Dillon was the guy that he yes, wanted that year. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, but, but he, I don't know how that ended up career wise, but Dillon had some really good years. Yeah, he but, did, I, but yeah, it, yeah, work was more consistent probably. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's a top ten list. Whether they angered you or not, we love y'all and we appreciate y'all <laughs> jumping in yep. here on a Thursday with us. Tomorrow we'll be back. Next week we got a loaded show. We think we're still like. I'm going to probably tweet out this week, you know, this weekend maybe, because we're still trying to lock things up with a few people for next week. Could be a great slate of shows, though. We might have guests every day next week. That's how crazy yeah. it is. We, we have people potentially in the slot 
for every day for guests next week. So we'll see what ends up happening with the show for next week, but it's going to be fun time. 4 p.m. Eastern, we'll be live over here on the Peter Report Podcast. We appreciate y'all. We hope y'all have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out! Me and Leroy Selman are out.